One of the greatest strengths and perhaps one of our weaknesses as well is our desire to wait for the perfect time. We do this with our food, waiting for just the right moment for it to be served so that it can have the best taste possible. We do this with our relationships, the man waiting for the perfect time to pop the question. We can in many ways do this with having children as well, waiting on the perfect time to bring new life into the world. We like to be able to know what we want, know when we want it, and for it to come exactly when we want it to arrive. And this all reminds me of a class I took in seminary when we learned about two different kinds of time, chronos and kairos. Chronos refers to time that we find on a clock, time that can be measured, time that relates to how human beings see the world. We still hear it in words like chronology or anachronism, chronos. But there's also kairos. Kairos, on the other hand, refers to time from God's perspective, that perfect moment when, which always doesn't coincide with human time, but is rather dependent on how God sees the world, when God sees the world from eternity. We've all probably had an experience with this Kronos and Kairos sometime in our lives before. When I was 10, I spent an entire summer praying that my family would get a puppy, and it seemed to take forever, because I heard we were going to get one, but it wasn't going to be until the end of summer. So the Kronos seemed to take for all eternity, while the Kairos, God's time, it would have just gone by in less than a second. Maybe more seriously, we've known someone who has been very sick, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray. That person seems to take forever for them to get better, for them to recover from a surgery. That is Kronos, waiting on, God, waiting on our own time to pass. Whereas with Kairos, God's time, it takes place exactly when it needs to. Waiting on Kairos, waiting on God's time can be unbearable. And the truth is it can really be difficult when God's time doesn't match our own. In today's reading, we hear about several people whose lives were changed forever by not waiting on their own time, Kronos, but by being open to God's time. First, we hear about Samuel, a young boy sleeping in the temple, when all of a sudden he hears a voice. Three times he hears his name called, and each time he responds with, Here I am. In other words, at the sound of his name, Samuel is ready to respond. The words, here I am, both reflect reflect where he is physically, where he is before God, but it also shows the disposition of his heart. He is eager to serve. He is eager to listen. He is eager to respond. He is open to serve in whatever way he is called to do. Then we hear in our gospel about several other men who were open to the kairos of God's time. Two of John the Baptist's disciples, upon seeing Jesus and being told that he is the Lamb of God, begin to follow the Christ. Andrew goes after his brother Peter to bring him as long as well. All three men had no idea or where the Messiah would lead them, 
when he would arrive in their world and how it would transform their own lives forever. In both Samuel's and the disciples' situations, we hear that they had their own plans, and I'm sure that they had life goals that they were hoping to achieve. But when God called, they could have stuck, stuck to those plans and ran far from away from the voice of God. Or, as we see, they could have an openness, an openness of heart to know that the Lord is speaking to them and that the only proper response is to say, Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. And for us, it all starts with following the example of Samuel and the disciples of Jesus. Samuel was sleeping in the temple, much like sleeping in the church with the presence of the Eucharist around us. Samuel was resting in the presence of God. His heart was disposed. His heart was sensitive already to listen to what the voice of the Lord was saying to him. The disciples of John the Baptist, they trusted in John's word when he said, Behold the Lamb of God. They trusted and then they followed. They followed Jesus immediately. Andrew, wanting to share such good news that the Messiah had arrived, went off to bring his brother Peter. These three steps aren't limited to thousands of years ago, but they're things that we can bring into our own lives today. They are an example that can be given to us that we can follow. First, we can sensitize our hearts. We can have the proper disposition by living in the presence of the Lord, by praying. We do this by having an active prayer life, which doesn't just happen when we think about praying, but rather it's something that we do all the time. As we heard Samuel was sleeping in the temple, we too are called to sleep in the presence of the Lord, to reside in his heart. Second, when we see Jesus in our lives, when we hear that he is around us, we are called to follow him wherever he may lead us. And finally, we can't keep this to ourselves. Meeting Jesus will always transform our world, and we must be willing to share this encounter with other people. Pray, follow, share. These three steps are all it takes to grow closer to God, but also grow closer as a community. Imagine the life of our parish if we all became people dedicated to prayer, to following Jesus, and to sharing what we have found with other people. That really is one of the main points of even having a parish, to grow a community of prayer around Jesus Christ. It is only through living a life of prayer, an intentional following of Jesus Christ, and a sharing what we have received that we can hope to have an impact on the culture around us. Otherwise, we risk only sharing ourselves. Pray, follow, share. It worked for thousands of years for billions and billions of people who yearned to grow closer to God. Pray, follow, share.